Hello, Career Cohort. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Emily Wong, founder of Words of Distinction. We talk about tools for achieving career success, inspirational stories about overcoming career and life challenges, and how we can recalibrate our perspective to better enjoy the journey forward. My guest today is Gina Riley. Gina is an authority on career transition at the powerful convergence of career coaching, executive search, and interview skills training. She created the Career Velocity System to help leaders and executives effectively manage career transitions. An inspirational writer and speaker, Gina is a certified UMAP coach and two-time Disrupt HR speaker. Now, although her clients are executives, I was so grateful for the time she spent with me to discuss a topic that impacts young professionals and interns in ways that most of us don't really think about. So without further ado, here's our conversation. So it's great to have you here, Gina. Thank you. I'm excited to be here and have the conversation. So, you know, I wanted to kind of set up our conversation with some background. We're going to talk about remote work. And for many of us who've been in the workplace for a while, justifiably so, we're feeling some danger and we were anxious about going back, going to the workplace and we kind of wanted to be separate. And that made a lot of sense. And then, you know, after two years, people said, hey, I've got a nice setup. I've got the technology. I've got my nice work at home situation. I could go for a walk at lunchtime and see my neighbors. And many companies actually accommodate that. In fact, some companies are now focused on, you know, having full remote situations. And for the most part, I think the media is focused on the benefits of remote. But it is more nuanced than that. And Gina, you gave this wonderful talk on Disrupt HR. I think the way to explain it to our listeners, because I don't know if everybody knows what Disrupt HR is, but I believe it's kind of like a TEDx talk for the HR industry. Is that fair? Yes. It's a specialized format similar to a TED talk. You have five minutes, you get 20 slides and they flip every 15 seconds, and you don't have control of that. Right. Well, you, in a very short time, you were very disruptive in what you talked about, and it really resonated with me, and I'll get into why it resonated with me, but I was so impressed because you were definitely talking about something that the media in general was not talking about, and it was the not-so-beneficial impact of remote. And I wondered if you could start, I know there's a personal reason you were talking about this, Gina. Uh, can you start by explaining the background as why you wanted to talk about this? Yes, it's pretty easy. I have Gen Zers that are my children, two sons, they're 20 and 22. Um, my youngest was, he's a, the class of 2020 from high school. He graduated with no prom, no graduation, no senior party and spent the last, you know, three to four months sitting in his bedroom. Then when he graduated from high school and went off to college, we thought it would be beneficial for him to be away and start that growing up process. But he spent the better part of the year in his dorm room with one roommate and they didn't have classes and they got their food delivered with those little robots that, you know, cruise around the mm -hmm. campus. And so I started thinking, 
as I watched the uproar about going back to the office, you know, you can't make me go back to the office. I don't want to. I'm productive at home. But where I am seeing particularly, you know, my generation, Gen X, and the millennial generation were like the main part of, you know, the workforce. We've got boomers too. But they're happy being at home, many of them, and they're productive and they don't, you know, there's a lot of reasons to be at home, you know, the saving of gas. I mean, we could go on and on about all the positive reasons, but the thing that most of these people are missing is that when our Gen Zers enter the workforce, do we expect that at 22, they're relegated to their home and their bedroom for the rest of their careers? Who will be those nuanced mentors and leaders and sponsors. I learned so much in my 20s being in the room with my manager and other executives, watching them do constructive confrontation, navigate tricky situations, hallway conversations. We can do mentorship and other things like that through, you know, video conferencing, all that's possible, but there's going to be a lot lost for Gen Z, and we cannot blame them in 10 to 15 years when we're noticing that they're not so successful with their leadership skills and their communication skills. Yeah, you know, so one of the reasons that resonated with me, reason one, and you know this, Gina, is I have two sons and they're 22 and soon to be 20. And the 20-year-old is one year younger than your younger son, I think, right? Because my son was a junior when COVID hit. And I agree with you because those social cues are so important. And even now that, you know, on college campuses, they've gone back to, you know, normal in-class attendance, even learning those social cues on campus, they're not the same social cues you're going to learn in an office situation. No, it's true. And when I was preparing for my Disrupt HR, I mean, a lot of it is based on my own research, internet research, et cetera. And I quote a couple of things in that talk. Um, But I also sat my kids' friends down and said, okay, let's have a conversation. How do you feel about working the rest of your career from home when when you graduate? And they had quite a bit to say about it. One, they're wondering why their managers can't pick up the phone and call them. Why does everything have to be over text and group chats and things like that? They're like, it would be a lot faster if you could just talk to me. That's one. Mm-hmm. Two, they don't want to be in their house all the time. And three, what they're telling me is that they notice that their peers lack those social cues and the communication skills. One example, one of the boys had told me, young men, an engineering graduate, they were on site at a major, you know, Fortune 500 company for an internship. And one of their peers, they were giving a presentation. One of the peers was swearing in the presentation. And the the guy I was chatting with was just shocked. He's like, dude, time and place. <laughs> this is not the audience for that kind of you know, way of communicating. So where I noticed the biggest reaction to my talk in a sort of a positive way, because I had a lot of resistance. I had some haters (laughs) on it. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Some people did not like the idea that nobody can tell me to go back to the office and I'm not going to, right? But it was the mothers who had those 18 to 22 year olds that that sucked in their breath when I got to that Mm -hmm. last 
thing in my speech, which is, do you want your son, daughter, niece, or nephew to graduate from college and then finish out their career in their bedroom? And that's mm-hmm. when I notice people inhale. <gasps> it's gripping. You know, first I want to say I watch and I actually want to recommend, I believe the name of it is, are we ready for a latchkey workforce, Mm -hmm. which I know you mentioned that latchkey comes from Sarah Johnston, right? Which I love. And I love that you use that in there. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah. I put the word out through LinkedIn, which is my primary hangout spot and asked for a couple of ideas about, you know, what the title should be. And she had that cool idea. And it's really, it's resonating for me because a lot of my counterparts wore the key around their neck and had to let themselves in and sort of raise themselves after school. Right. And so the idea is, do we want to just let our Gen Zers raise themselves professionally? Yes, exactly. And by the way, Sarah, if you're listening, loved it, love this term. (laughs) And You know, I think, too, the fact that you brought that up, you're kind of connecting with an audience. If they don't have kids our age, uh, it it means that, okay, so I get it. And I actually got it from you, Gina, that you were empathizing with people our age who just think it's okay to be at home, right? But then to bring up this concern, do we really want our kids to be in a situation where they're not getting that guidance and that true mentorship um, and you mentioned earlier, uh, I, I can't remember what words you were using, but it's that tension, even that tension, even if there's a little bit of a, uh, for lack of a better word, negative energy, they're learning how to work through that in a workplace. If they're in a room with people and how mm-hmm. to navigate and how to, to learn to get along. And I know it's really cliche, but you also brought up, you know, in the hallways and these conversations about these side conversations, they are important because usually the person who's in the kitchen getting coffee at the same time you are, you never see that person. And, you know, you might not see that person in meetings. And I just wanted to bring up one thing that, you know, I had my son, Zach, as you know, was on a couple of of episodes ago and he experienced both. He was in a fully remote situation and then a full on-site situation. And he talked about getting to have lunch with people and then getting to have lunch with people who were not even in his direct line because they can answer questions that the people who are in his direct line don't want to be burdened with all the time. They don't want you coming to them all the time and asking for questions. Go find the answers from somewhere else, but you're not going to get that right if you're just in Zoom calls. You won't even know who those people are necessarily. And, you know, yeah, you could have that pointed out. There's another nuance, though, that we haven't covered yet. And that is this, this is my perception, and I think it can incite some feelings from people. But I feel like there is some hypocrisy. We've come through this pandemic and what you have had is parents at home really angry that their kids couldn't go back to school. Why couldn't they go back sooner? I've got to get back to work. It's too much to have my kindergartner through whatever, you know, under my feet. But then what they're saying is, if we're going to play this all the way out, those same children that you want to have socialization and communication skills in school, they'll never have it as an adult. I mean, Mm -hmm. so I just find it to be a little bit hypocritical that 
for their own convenience, they wanted their kids off and gone out of the house during the day mm-hmm. and learning those vital social skills, right? Right, right. So we've got to bridge this gap. And does it mean that we all need to be in an eight to five office five days a week? Absolutely not. But we need to be intentional. And I feel like it's going to put even more emphasis on our people leadership for our CEOs to hire great quality CPOs, chief HR you know, officers um, who build in strategies for inclusion, belonging, and fostering those communication skills and those ways of communicating and connecting with people that they will not get. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, even hybrid, I'm wondering if um, hybrid can be tricky too, because even in a hybrid situation, if you are an intern or a new professional and you're going in on the days that your boss isn't there or the people you have to interact with aren't there, You know, I don't know if that's the benefit either. So maybe one of the things, and I know what Zach did with his second internship, he actually asked them if they were 100% on site Mm -hmm. because that was important to him. So when you're working with your clients, do you advise them on how to navigate remote work or or do you advise them on what companies to go to and go to work for in that sense or no? Not necessarily, because my primary focus is I'm a career coach for leaders and execs who are in career transition. And mm-hmm. and it's by and large, not the most important part of the conversation because mm-hmm. you're going for an, a CXO job. You have to have a lot more flexibility of mindset on where you're yeah. going to be and how you're going to do your work because you're one of the top leaders. I've had mm-hmm. very few, very senior people say, I only can be remote or I'm not going to move. Um, that's pretty limiting. But that's mm-hmm. up to them if they want to navigate a more challenging, you know, type of role. For right. Themselves. Yeah. No, this this entire topic was something that just kind of came out of me, like out of the things that I was noticing and the things that were right. making me feel kind of angry. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, one of the things, too, that I think going back to this conversation about the difference between somebody who's who's new and and new to the environment, the difference is that a lot of the people too who are working from home and are comfortable with that, they might have an established neighborhood. They have people coming home to them at night where they can sit around the dinner table. And if you're young, you may not have a roommate. You may not know anybody in your town and your whole socialization is in that office, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that it's also, I mean, to that same point, if we expect our young adults to be so lucky to have an apartment where they can pay for that and not, you know, they can move out and do all of that stuff, you know, we have a mental health crisis on our hands as well, which I also quote, you know, in the presentation that um, probably mid pandemic that the, um, that the U.S. Surgeon General said that we have a crisis on our hands and it's exacerbated by the pandemic, but it's it was kind of pointing more at social media. So yeah. think of it this way. Most of our kids, what do they do? They spend like a huge part of their time with their face in front of some kind of screen, whether it's their phone, it's Snapchat, Instagram, whether, you know, I know girls play um, video games too, but, you know, my boys are in front of video games and that's where they're talking to their friends because they're not Mm -hmm. together. Yeah. Well, they definitely transitioned 
easily to that remote world, even though we're seeing what that impact is now. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, when you're talking to your executive clients, okay, to move on to that, and would you talk to them about how they can benefit from having Gen Z on site? Because that is, they're bringing these fresh ideas. They're not really consulting with me for that. I mean, we're very mm-hmm. focused on their personal career transition and we're, and we're mm-hmm. going through my methodology. So it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily have a place in my program that helps accelerate their career transition. That's my hundred percent, but their success in a career transition is my success. So adding my ideologies is more just us talking between the lines in conversation, you know, cause I shared the disrupt HR presentation with all of them and I'm sure many of them watched it. <laughs> yeah. For sure. And they probably have kids who can benefit from that as well. Yeah. And, you know, I would say I'm an HR professional and my background is in organizational development and communication studies. So I'm coming from that lens and that perspective. What I would say is I'm not a, an expert in belonging. Like there's this whole field of study now, you know, about belonging and inclusion, and I can't put myself in that camp. I can put myself close to that camp. Um, And I I think that we're going to really need to lean on people who have that lens and expertise. And those people are going to have a huge burden to prove that the methods of hybrid or, you know, some kind of in-person working model will benefit the company and benefit the customers in some way. Because that's what it's all about is helping our companies thrive. Yeah. So what I'm hearing you say is that companies would benefit from hiring or bringing in those consultants who understand that and how they're going to get get through that. And yeah, I mean, again, I think that, you know, we have different personalities. Some of us are are fine. I'm fine working all day because I can go outside and I, as I said, I can go out and have a walk and I can see my neighbors and I can have those conversations. But I had that benefit already of learning how to get along in an office situation. Um, and to bring up my conversation with Zach again, cause he's my, he's my, uh, what do you call it? My sampling, uh, my sample of one, but I've also had conversations with other people, his age, and he was in an internship that was full-time remote. And then he went to the second one the, where it was full-time on site. Mm-hmm. And the difference in talking to him was really amazing because he would have a project and then he might have a question and he didn't want to bother somebody by setting up a whole meeting to ask that question. And he is the first person to say is, yeah, you shouldn't be asking questions all the time because you should be able to learn to think for yourself, but you are going to have a question. And then if you send a question over Slack, but that might require a follow-up question. And all told, if you were sitting across from that person or in a, next door to that person in another office, it could take five minutes of back and forth banter where, you you know, you're sending something in Slack. You don't know how to read their response. If, if they're, if they're short with their response, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're mad at you. Right. It's just that that's their, their communication style. So that is definitely something that, you know, you're talking about these communications experts to come in and talk about this. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then I was trying to think of something else that he he talked about was so he could, you know, have these conversations 
He could find out who he would need to talk to. He could go have that conversation. And even, Gina, when I worked in the corporate world, toward the end of that time, we were allowed to work from home on Fridays. Mm -hmm. And I never took that opportunity because this was back, this is before I was working for myself and I had to learn discipline and how to work from home, right? And I didn't want to work from home because I knew if I had a question, it would get answered a lot quicker if I can pop in some to somebody's office or if they could pop into my office and then we can get things resolved. And you're seeing their face, you know, having that communication, direct communication, which is really valuable. I totally agree. So do you have any other words of wisdom either for, again, I know that this is not your space, but for companies or job seekers who are trying to navigate this remote work, do you have any thoughts on you know, if you were sharing this with somebody, how you would recommend they, they navigate the situation? I would start with asking people to be open-minded and to listen to the varying sides of the story and think about the long-term ramifications of the decisions we make today. And like I said, I feel like we only have ourselves to blame. And that means us, the adults in the room, um, mm -hmm. if we're dissatisfied with those that are 22 right now, when they're 32 and 42, what do we expect of them? They're not going to magically figure all of this out on their own. We are human beings and we, we bring each other along generation after generation. So I'd say open-mindedness. And then back to my point about, I think that our senior leaders um, need to invest in the people leadership who have the expertise to create the cultural environments and the workplace situations that can work for the majority of people. And then, you know, employees can self-select not to go to certain companies based on their working model. And I think that's right. okay too. Right, right. And companies have the right to decide too, if they want well, to go fully remote. Think. I mean, but the way yeah. that, that um, you know, you read everything in the press these days, it's like, it's outrageous that employees don't get what they want. But, you know, if you talk to executives who are responsible to the shareholders and their board, the way they mm -hmm. see it is they need to have a successful, profitable organization. And it doesn't mean that there can't be a middle ground found to create profitable organizations. Absolutely. That's a really good point, Gina. Yeah. I think it's really, really important that companies can dictate their model. Okay. So first of all, the company can dictate their model. And then if, if somebody is applying to a role, they will say, okay, this is the environment I want to be in. They're not going to change it for me. So I will just go look for some other opportunity. Yeah, and, that's and totally, right I totally one. agree with that. I totally agree with that, Gina. Yeah. Yeah. So any other thoughts on remote work or concerns? Yeah, there's one thing we didn't touch on from my presentation, which is I quoted Dr. Meg Jay, who wrote a book called The Defining Decade, and it's about how the 20s are the most important um, decade of our lives in that we are laying the foundations of our themes and patterns and habits, and then our frontal lobe fully closes by age 30. So mm. we won't be able to play catch up once our folks are aging and getting closer to that, that milestone. So 
I think we need to take care. I think that we need to be paying attention. And and the science tells us, Dr. McJay is a, she's a therapist for people in their 20s and has written a couple books about it, has an amazing TED Talk, 15 minutes, totally worth Googling. Did you say Meg J, Dr. Meg J, M-E-G? M-E-G and then J-A-Y. Okay, and, great. And, and she's also warning us, hey, you know, and warning the 20-somethings, uh, this is the time to maximize laying down the themes and patterns of your behaviors because it will, it will be very difficult to recoup that down the line. Yeah, I think that's an, an important part. I, I don't know that if I didn't have kids that are our kids' age that I would know this, that I wouldn't realize it. I wouldn't be getting this firsthand. And I don't know that I would have gone, oh, I got to hear what Gina has to say on this Disrupt HR talk. Because, right. it, you know, it wasn't affecting me personally. But yeah, I, I think you opened the door to a great conversation, Gina. I thank you so much. Uh, how can people reach you? Oh, gosh, it's pretty easy. Um, I have a website called Gina Riley Consulting. And um, for people that are looking for a free career transition planning guide, I have a green button you can click at the top of my website and download it. You get a half hour earworm from me on how to set yourself up for success. And on LinkedIn, uh, that's where I spend the majority of my professional social time. And I always recommend sending a personalized connection request and say, hey, I heard you on the podcast. Um, yes. Because we all get so many pitches, sales yes. pitches. It always makes a person pause to wonder why. So a healthy network is very important to me. And I hope to all of you that are listening. And so send a send a personalized note. Yes, I emphasize that as well, Gina, because I can be very suspicious if somebody doesn't tell me initially why they want to connect. And I always mm -hmm. do that too. So, and obviously we tell our kids to do that too. So Gina, thank you so much for stopping by. It was great to chat. I know you were really busy today, so I appreciate you adding this into your day. I was happy to. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Career Cohort. I'm Emily Wong. You can find all my podcasts and blog posts at wordsofdistinction.net. And if you'd like to chat about how I can help you define the next step in your career and achieve your goals, head on over to the same website and book a time on my calendar for a free consult. In the meantime, please be sure to share, subscribe, rate, and review so we can continue to bring you great content.